before in the before times we didn't know what the before times even were you know Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living and learning languages. Hello everyone, my name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk and I'm here with Lindsay, who does languages. Lindsay, how's it going? (laughs) Yes, I do. Hello. Hello. I'm very well, thank you. (laughs) Together we talk about anything and everything interesting from the world of learning another language and today we've got a sort of mixed goodie surprise bag you know like when you buy those bags at the at the when you used to get them at fun fairs and stuff and i used to love them überraschungstüte they were called it's a good word like a goodie bag yeah like a okay you you would go to a shop and you would buy this bag and you wouldn't know what's in it and then you get to open it and you get all the surprise there's like toys and I don't know, little collection cards, and you don't know what's in it, though. Is that uh, what you Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Like it was, it was like an opaque plastic. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, or like a paper bag or something. So you couldn't see. You just bought what was in it. And, like when um, you buy those little Lego figurines now, the yes. minifigures. Mm. That's what the episode is today. No one knows what's in it. <laughs> <laughs> until it happens listeners we are recording one day after the women language conference has concluded so we're going to touch on women in language and i want to quiz Lindsay a little bit on her academic side which we've not heard of heard about on the show before we do all that let me give a shout out to our sponsor. Our sponsor for the show is the lovely, lovely Yabla website. Yabla.com slash Fluent Show is where I would like you to go if you're interested in Yabla. And I filmed a little walkthrough, so a little video where I've actually show you the inside of Yabla. And you don't have to sign up that way. You get to see what's on the inside and how it actually works. And what this is, this is about language immersion through videos for Lindsay give a shout out to the languages for Spanish hola 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 for English hello 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 that worked well didn't it <laughs> yes. for Italian ciao 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 for French salut 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 for German allo allo hello <laughs> and for Chinese ni hao ni hao ni hao woohoo Yabla has all of those, just like Lindsay does. Yabla features authentic content, just like Lindsay does, by native speakers, (laughs) custom playback, subtitles, learning games, and flashcards. It is the premier language learning video platform with tools to enhance conversational understanding. Definitely go ahead, give it a try. Highly recommended, yabla.com slash fluentshow. Thank you for supporting us. Beep, beep. Were you going to say something then? No. Okay. (laughs) Now, I have a few announcements. The first one is that this episode of The Fluent Show concludes linguistics season, which means it's the end of the season in this new seasonally punctuated structure of The Fluent Show that I brought in at the start of 2021. So we're going to finish off and obviously going to touch and talk about linguistics again. We've had really, really great guests in this one. Sarah Phillips, for example, just last week. 
And after this, we're taking a little break and then coming back with a focus on the next topic, which is going to be language teaching, maybe a bit of language entrepreneurship thrown in there. And if you are a member of the Language Habit Toolkit and and slash or you're interested in joining the Language Habit Toolkit, please go ahead and do so this week if you want, because I've just started the Language Habit Toolkit live round. And if the bingo from Women in Language wasn't enough, there's another bingo now. So I've made an action taking bingo for everyone who's in the Language Habit Toolkit live round. These were my announcement. Lindsay, you got any news? I don't think so. No, she's <laughs> excellent. I don't blame you because Women in Language was a big project and it was crazy <laughs> to finish. I don't know why I'm doing the next project straight away, but I am. Okay, I have got a news item for you, Lindsay. Okay. Or something interesting to look at. And um, I'm going to actually pop a link in, the, in our little chat that we have going here so you can have a look at these. And this is from Germany. You might have heard of that, you know, country. So it's where I'm from. And... In Germany, like sometimes people think like my German is just spot on, right, you know, and uh, I know all the words. But this year alone, after COVID started, 12,000, 12,000 words have now been added into the German vocabulary, have now been kind of observed by the Leibniz Institute. And these words are just great. Are you, are you looking at this list? I am. Yeah. So many of them start with Corona. So many of them start with COVID-19. A lot of them have got a bit of English in there. And there's some really oh, yeah. good things. The C-section is a lot bigger, actually. <laughs> C-section. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize what I was saying. Compared to the A and the B, I've just got down to C now. Wow. Yeah. And one that I really liked was uh, Blaue Reise. Blaue Reise. Okay. That's under the Bs. And that is when you... Go on a cruise, but the cruise is shorter <laughs> and you don't do any trips on land. Does that mean blue travel, blue journey? Yeah, blue journey, blue trip. So like blue because you're sad. Oh, no, because you're on the sea the whole time. I think it's blue because you're on the blue water, not because ah, you're sad. Because they okay. said it, it says that the, the travel camp companies came up with that term. Ah, so they wouldn't be like, come come and join us on our depressing cruise. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that one was really, really, really good. And herd immunity has got a has got a title as well. That's the list of new words that have been added to the dictionary. And um as we've recently as we've recently discussed in Women in Language, I really enjoy reading a dictionary. So I've been looking at these um and I thought it was really great. There's something here that I actually really appreciate on this. And and this is related actually to the topic we're going to talk about later with the master's okay. stuff, right? So what the, the essay that I've been working on recently is about language, dialect, blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. a little bit of that is like words um, in different languages, like, you know, what counts as a foreign word, quote unquote, and what is... Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm looking just below um, Blauer Reise, where it says mm -hmm. breakout realm and breakout room. Mm -hmm. Breakout realm, breakout room. And I really love that both of these have been like acknowledged and then added to the dictionary uh, rather than just like, no, we must create a new German word and we must, you know, do this ourselves. 
but also acknowledging the English and also acknowledging the German. Like, that's really cool. I like that. Mm. Not officially, I would say the dictionary. Dictionary. Okay. I think they're not all in the dictionary, but they're all kind of been observed and kind of been recorded by this linguistic institute. Uh, okay. Yeah. So they're just kind of doing that. But yeah, no, you're you're right. And why, you know, why would breakout Raum and breakout room not both be words? And you can tell that Germany is German is very heavily influenced by English, as we've discussed previously. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> do you see the word after that? <laughs> Hang on, let me scroll back up. I know, I saw this. <laughs> Is it virus, virus? Yeah, Britenvirus. Britenvirus. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. It's actually <laughs> a variant, so let's get that right. Come on. I know, my mum keeps telling me about the, the British virus and stuff. So one last one last word that I really enjoyed, um, which I don't know to what extent that I've heard that in English yet, which is... The feeling of shame that you get when you have to sneeze in public. Oh, knee, as a knees sharp. As a hay fever sufferer, I can relate to that. Yeah, it's scary now, isn't right it? Right early on, someone like when they just bought in masks and we were in go outdoors, and the person working in go outdoors who was stood by the door with the hand gel, and I was I was about to leave the shop because I could feel I was going to sneeze, and I didn't make it out the door, and I sneezed. She gave me the widest berth. I felt <laughs> like I, I didn't didn't enjoy it. You did. I don't mind that when people do that. I think that's kind of them. I don't know. I felt offended. I was like, really? I don't have. I walk a massive circle around people now. Oh well, good job we're not going to meet in the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with you and your sneezing. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, well, I mean, listeners, please let us know if there are other languages where you're aware of a sort of list of the corona-related words that have been added. It'd be really interesting to see. This sort of just came up with um, the German language, which does a compound really well. So it's been actually really, really fun looking at this. Um, but uh, I'm sure it must be a lot, a lot, a lot of new things coined every, almost every day. I mean... Before in the before times, we didn't know what the before times even were. You know, what's JoJo lockdown? That yo-yo is it's a yo-yo. Oh, yo-yo. Okay. Yeah. So, and you you know how you say yo-yo dieting? I would imagine that that's yo-yo lockdowning. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. So there's there's yo-yo lockdown, yo-yo shutdown, mm -hmm. and lockdown yo-yo. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So like I say, I mean, imagine if you were the dictionary company, you would probably would say one's maybe a, not necessarily worth a separate entry because you'd have a dictionary that's like six mm. miles long. Mm. Interesting. Please continue with your research, very valuable, and add in how dictionaries are made. <laughs> so I'd love, yeah, I love a good word list like that. This is interesting. Thank you for sharing that, Kirsten. Oh, you're welcome. So that was my, my news item that I wanted to just kind of share. And like I said, listeners, if you want, uh, you can email hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk if you know of any other word lists that we can kind of look at and we can share. Um, and I'll pop this one in the show notes, which are fluent.show slash 210. 
Now, before talking about academics and the academic side of things, I thought maybe we'll take a minute and honor the women in language experience that we've just had over the weekend and just kind of do a little women in language debrief. Uh, so in summary, women in language this year has just concluded. If you live under a rock or this is your first episode of this podcast, both of which is fine. You might not know Women in Language is the name of an online conference that I organized together with Lindsay and with our friend Shannon. So we're a team of three putting on this online conference that is four days long. This year we had 34 different speakers and we had attendees from 56 countries, at least according to my purchasing system where people buy the tickets and the total number of participants that includes speakers, organizers and the people who were who received a ticket donation, so the attendees, of course, is 599. It's wonderful. So, Lindsay, how do you feel about 599? It's wonderful, <laughs> but it's so frustrating. <laughs> nine, nine. Five, nine, nine. Five, if it nine, was like five, nine, seven, five, ninety, I'd be like, wow, amazing. Nine, nine. Oh, so close. Does it feel that far from 600? Because I think I might change my pricing on all my products if if it feels that far away. No, it feels so close to 600. Ah, That's what I mean. I see, 600. Just one well, more person. Mm. But it's still amazing. I'm not, don't worry, I'm not denying. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. And there may have been, you know, there may have been a sponsor who didn't, maybe didn't take advantage of the sponsor ticket or something like that. So I'm sure if we wanted a 600 participant, we could find one. For sure, for sure. So before before anything else, I just wanted to take a second and obviously thank the speakers for volunteering their time, for volunteering their expertise, for participating, some of them for for producing their own videos in advance, some of them for coming up and, you know, taking the time to spend an hour, you know, showing us and speaking live in front of, you know, hundreds of people, partly. And also some of them for, you know, doing this, even though they've never, ever done anything like it before. And it can be a super intimidating experience. And I wanted to give a shout out to our chat room, which was, I felt, really lovely, civil um, and a great experience this year. Um, partly maybe our, our organizing, new little organizing nudges that we bring in every year. Um, that really worked out well, I felt. And I wanted to give my thanks to the technology <laughs> providers and creators that make the stuff that allows us to do women in language so teachable for example is a website where we we put all the stuff and organize it all it's where the members area lives and i'm not going to thank facebook because i'm i've got i'm down about say, that you're gonna thank youtube okay mm, i mean i will thank ecamm live there we go uh, yeah why not <laughs> youtube i know if you don't pay then you're the product but this time Let's just give gratitude to the technology. And I want to give gratitude to the organizing team because Lindsay and Shannon made this made this an experience that, first of all, is possible. It's, I don't think it's necessarily possible to do this with, with anyone. It's, it's very difficult and requires a lot of trust, I think, and a lot of, you know, patience with each other and conversations. And, you know, the, the two of them have now listened to me ramble for years and years and years and years. And you're still here. So thank you. Yay. Yay! Lindsay, how are you? How are you feeling about women in language? Yeah, all right. I, I went to bed last night and like, I think I kind of fell asleep smiling, you know? Um, it's always so much work to 
put on something like Woman in Language and mm-hmm. then as soon as it's over, it was always very strange because it's like when it's happening, you feel like, oh, I've got all these other things that I need to be doing. I want to be spending my time on as well. And then when it's over and you have that time back, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Hang on. What's going on? What have I missed? Wait, <laughs> I've forgotten something. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like organizing a wedding and we've chosen to do that once a year. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So in case you ever, any of you listening want to run your own events, just sort of, if you enjoy that kind of thing, um, you, you'll really enjoy this. It is, it is a lot of work. And I think there's no, there's no running away from that. And I think you, we, we can be honest about that as well. It's not a walk in a park. And the, the payoff is that it runs. I, I feel like this year it ran fairly seamlessly once it got going. Mm. Mm. It's a lot of, a lot of prep, but then the prep has paid off. Um, now, I wanted to ask you if there were any sort of memorable moments or memorable things that you'll kind of take away from women in language. And if you want, because I've got to think about this beforehand, if you want, I'll share what I had on my mind. Yeah, go for Give it. Give me some thinking time. <laughs> so for me, something that I will definitely remember is seeing when first-time speakers were overcoming their virtual stage fright. And, you know, we get to see them kind of in the green room in a way. We we chat to them, to these speakers and we go live together with them and support them all the way through their presentation. And I feel like this year we, once again, like every year, we we see variations of stage fright at all steps of the process from oh, do you really mean me to speak? I don't know. Why not ask my friend? We get that. And then we get, what should I talk about? I've got nothing. Uh, um, And then we get like the moment before somebody goes live and is introduced and they're so nervous and seeing particularly, you know, women speakers and and our non-binary speakers, et cetera, included, but seeing people overcome that. And for me, like people maybe in the early 20s when I know I would have struggled with it too, that makes me super, super happy. Um, And the connections that come out of it with the speakers, the fact that I come away from this going, oh, I now know 30 more cool people. That's really, really amazing. Um, Those were a few things that will stick in my mind, I think, that draw me back to women in language. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Was there anything that kind of stood out for you? I think more and more each year, I know it happens every time. And then this year it was very visible how many like kind of, if women in languages is like a tree, like a language tree, right? (laughs) Then like how many branches kind of come off of that and like the groups that form for like practicing this language together and um, connecting because you have this other common interest and connecting because you want to write to each other and all of these other things that stem from that yeah. is really, really wonderful to see. Yes, because you found local language learners that are quite local to you this oh, year, didn't my you? Life. Like, and last year as well, <laughs> like, it's so weird. The, the, two, the two previous years when we've had speakeasy sessions, mm-hmm. like, you wouldn't believe both sessions that I've hosted if you came from like London, New York, right? Like a big city with millions of people, this yeah. wouldn't be weird. But You're when you like, come, oh yeah, I see you. Right, right. But when you come from like a kind of normal county, so like 
I live in Buckinghamshire, but I was born mm-hmm. and I grew up in Northamptonshire, which isn't really known to begin with. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, Princess Diana's buried there, James A. Caster's from Kettering, Alan Carr's from Northampton. Oh, someone from Steps, Faye from Steps is from Northampton. That's kind of it, that right? Princess Diana fact was my one Northamptonshire fact. Ah, there you go. Did I tell you yeah. that? many years ago no i knew that no i'm from germany we're obsessed with the royals ah well i'm glad that she's that she's kind of put us on the map a a little bit um yeah yeah well like Meghan markle now but i'm not talking about that no but but like you know it's it's not like a big place famous for lots of things where it's just like oh cool you're from there it's like what you're from there what and both (laughs) times both years, the two speakeasies that I've hosted, I've met people from this county. Like, what is that? How crazy is that? What are the odds? So yeah, that's bizarre. And you met them in women in language, you know. In women in language, yeah. It's not like the world. It's a very special, very niche, a very specific kind of, you know, thing uh, for people who you know, for people who have a specific common interest, yeah. Did you know I found a fellow open water swimmer? There you go. That's the who kind of thing I'm to talking go and, about. Yeah, who likes to go and swim in very cold water. <laughs> it's brilliant. It is. And I wanted to also mention that I massively enjoyed the kind of entrepreneurial we maybe had three or four presentations that went around the topic of online teaching and getting set up. And I just massively, massively enjoyed the conversations that came out of those, like the, the chat rooms, the way people reflected and that particular angle. I I really enjoyed that this year. It was fantastic. Mm, mm. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I feel like that thing of like kind of online business can be a very ma- male, but also masculine in terms of like stereotypical yeah masculine tendencies dominated space in itself um Mm. and so to hear so many female speakers presenting on that topic and presenting their thoughts and in their you know it just it was very very wonderful to see yeah i understand what you mean and it's also it's got something in common with with language learning which is that kind of it requires an insane amount of tenacity and it also requires a lot of kind of getting over yourself and stepping into your stepping out of your fear, kind of into your fear, through your fear, out of your, you know, like mm. dealing with your fear because it's scary as heck. Mm. And um, that uh, those lines, those similarities, they really stood out to me. Yeah, yeah. Now, apart from the fact that it's an insane amount of work, which which we're not denying, is there anything about? about women in language that you think was a challenge that you that kind of stood out to you as oh that was that made that made it tough I can see what you've written down and I think I agree with exactly Mm. what you've put there to be honest yeah okay yeah which is I wrote uh, being the organizer means it's harder to make friends and I think particularly when you see everybody just being so warm and connecting so much and kind of all the attendees falling in love with each other but I can't join in with that because I'm busy. Well, I'm busy, but I'm also kind of here to make sure that you don't misbehave, you know? It feels like 
you know that meme of I don't know who the is it Steve Buscemi Buscemi where he walks up he's like how are you doing fellow kids you feel a bit like that like (laughs) (laughs) everyone's having fun not like everyone's kids but like everyone's having fun and you just rock up like (laughs) you're the organizer so yeah yeah not to anyone's fault in terms of making you feel that way I think it's how you feel yourself just being in that position do you know well, you can't just jump in and, you know, yeah. you, you just can't because, first of all, it, it, it does require, you know, you have to, the energy of organizing this event requires you to be very strict. And, you know, in the run up to this, because we're organizing so many speakers, we are basically telling people what to do ages for ages and ages and ages. And we kick the event off by saying, okay, this is the chat room. If you do this, 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 we're, you're out. Mm. You know, so, and I don't know, when I reflected on it, I thought the, that is the challenge of leadership, right? You can't be, you you just can't be an attendee. Um, But the upside of it is that we made it, you know, we made it happen. Yeah, yeah. How many people have this idea in a year um, and don't do it? I don't know. Probably many. Yeah, but we saw in the closing chat room, there were people sort of saying, oh, let's make a conference about this. And then one person very self-awarely going, well, I'm very good with ideas, but I'm not good with logistics, so I'm not involved. And um, I think it's, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the thing, you know, like the follow through is, is tricky. Um, But the payoff is that you get to say, I made that, I made that happen. Mm. And that's kind of really cool. Mm. And I get, I made that happen with my friends. I, I just keep smiling about that. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So a question that kind of came into my mind was, uh, would you say women in language works, you know, as a concept, as a conference? I hope so. Yeah. I think <laughs> to to me, I would say it does. Like the, the enthusiasm that I feel from it afterwards and the constant inspiration. What would you say is the, is kind of our is in our secret sauce or why do you think it works? Why do I think it works? Well, first of all, I want to go back a, back a step of that and be like, what counts as it working? And mm-hmm. for me, like from the very beginning, and I know I've said this, especially this year throughout, like it's been very much about encouraging and showcasing like look, you can speak to, you have something valuable to say, we want to hear from you. And then encouraging people to nominate themselves at any event, right? Language or otherwise. Mm -hmm. And from the very first, like, so kind of behind the scenes, I, I manage the Instagram account mostly, right? And from the very first post that I put up on Instagram to say, we're coming back, here's the date, save the date so many people were messaging me saying, oh, how do I nominate myself to speak? And I'm like, mm. it's in three weeks, so <laughs> see you next year. Like, you forgot about us all year and then we announced a like, fully formed event. <laughs> it's amazing, right? That like but, that for mm-hmm. me is the sign that yeah. it is working. And that has always been like the thing that I have wanted to come out of women in language almost like Mm. 
I don't want there to be a woman in language. I don't want this to be a thing that exists. Do you know what I mean? You want to feel, you want to feel, I guess you want to not feel that, that feeling that made us start it. Yeah, I guess. That, well, that, that, or that, that sort of sense of we, you know, we have to prove something. Like, I don't want there to be a women in language that is considered as women have to prove that they're also have brains. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, I don't think, I don't think I've ever felt that it's like there's something to prove. I think it's it's just for me the sign of of it working is when people then want to speak at women in language and mm. then want to also nominate themselves either before or at the same time or after speaking at women in language for other events as well and say you know what yeah I can do this thing I can yeah. present at events I do have something valuable to say and I'm going to go for it I'm going to no, that for me is a massive thing that's a massive thing and in terms of diversity as well that's um you know again kind of brings it back to you know why do we need why do we need to show diversity at events and all that kind of stuff is because mm. we want like i don't want 600 people to nominate themselves to speak at women in language because that's just that would just be 500 whatever people to say no to i want 600 people to see themselves as somebody who can contribute exactly like you say and to you know put themselves forward for women in language definitely but then also like you say go and put themselves forward for that other thing they want to speak at and kind of take that feeling with them and exactly. maybe put themselves forward for a promotion and maybe put themselves forward for you know that work trip where they want one more person to go and you think you're not worthy or whatever it is like and and i had this conversation with sarah maria last year where it's also even that experience of putting yourself forward and if something doesn't work out, to have had that experience is so important and so valuable. And that resilience, that, that kind of power that that builds is so... I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm sounding like I will reject everybody for women in language. I won't. This, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> what I'm talking about is, is Putting yourself forward is vulnerable and it's not always going to work out, but we got to start somewhere. And that, I think, I agree with you, is if we can contribute to that. I mean, even if, if you think back, putting ourselves forward as with the, the concept of women in language was vulnerable and still is. Yeah. We still get told every year what to do. Yeah. And every year we gain a little bit more confidence and we go, well, you know, that's nice. <laughs> But yeah. but if we're going to fail, we're going to fail on our own terms. And I think as women in particular, we don't get encouraged enough to mess up on our own terms. And uh, that's that's a valuable like life skill. Mm. Mm. Exactly. And like you say, like it's not just about encouraging people to then speak at an event, but also like you say, to get a promotion or to feel like, oh, I saw myself represented in that person for whatever reason, for whatever connection I felt with them, I saw myself in that. I related to that session that I, you know, that presentation and I, I felt something for that speaker. I get it. They get me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like it's, it's that as well. Yes. And in that sense, you know, if, if, if that's the measure, those things that we've just been discussing, if they're the measure of like, is it working? Then yes, a hundred percent. 
Ah, so let me return to my question then. Mm. Why do you think it works? I don't know if I have a an answer for that. Yeah, maybe we maybe we got lucky. Mm. Maybe because we're in the community that we wanted to build and serve. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the fact that it, I guess, like, why does it work? Well, because people must feel the same way. That must be the answer to that question, right? Because there must be a reason why people say, yes, I want to speak. There must be a reason why people say, yes, I want to attend this. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want to support this. Yes, I mm-hmm. want to donate a ticket. I want to donate a prize to the raffle. That must be why it works because there's a need for it. There's a want for it. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, every year, I feel like every year we've seen more men joining. Absolutely. And it's the best thing in the world. Oh, I love it. It's just so good. The, you know, not that we need, again, not that we need to be validated, but the whole point is that we exist in a world where there also are men and we want to, sh- you know, we want to show what we can do and we, there's just nothing better than also having somebody come and say, all right, yeah, and I want to have a look at what you can do. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's just an absolute joy because, you know, we get to all mutually appreciate each other in some kind of appreciation circle of, of. Okay, you're making Fun, it sound a bit fandom. happy clappy. <laughs> I'm feeling very happy clappy. Well, like I said, it's just, this is the this is the one day after we've run a four day event uh, episode, so we're, we're allowed to be a little bit sappy and clappy and tired. Sappy, happy, clappy, clappy. <laughs> I ran out of rhymes. I have two questions here that came from the women in language uh, community from our attendees. So I'm going to pose this to you. We'll, we'll, we're not going to go into too much detail because I want to leave a little bit of time for Lindsay and linguistics. And trust me, I made many Lindsayistics, Lindsay linguistics puns or tried um, beforehand. But did you? Okay, so these, <laughs> of course I did. Okay, these questions, um, Lindsay, I'll I'll pose these to you, and maybe you can explain a little bit. Um, so these are behind the scenes questions. The first one is, how do you find the speakers? Like, where do you know them from, or do they sometimes reach out to you? Do you help them find the topics, or are they a hundred percent free to choose whatever they want to talk about? Mm, okay, so. Initially, in 2018, when we did the first event, I thought there's probably a day. If I write down all the females that I know that are doing cool things in language, it's probably just a day's event, right? Mm-hmm. And the three of us sat down and we wrote a list of names. <laughs> and we're like, oh, wait a minute. Hang on. <laughs> okay, so that's the first event. That's how it became four days because there were so many people. Mm-hmm. Um and then from there, I think I would say after the first year we started accepting nominations, would that be right? After the first event? I think so, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Oh, we, we didn't have to form the actual organized way, but we had a Google spreadsheet where essentially just people Lindsay would just, just kept, write in. And yeah, then people, I would, by people I mean Lindsay. Right. So <laughs> but no, it's people we would just take <laughs> suggestions from everywhere and we started getting suggestions coming in, so that's when we started recording them. We didn't have a proper system until oh, the year after. The year after. Okay. So mm-hmm. but yeah, like you say, I would then much to Kirsten's uh delight. <laughs> 
Maybe. It's always just only because there was never an email address. So I was like, why do people keep writing so and so on Instagram? And I'm like, ah! I, ju- I would just find them and make sure I wouldn't lose them. Um, <laughs> true, you do not want to see, Kirsten, my, my bookmark uh, collection, I think is the word they call it on Instagram, of potential women in language speakers. Look, if you know their email address, I'm, I'm, I'm going to nominate now everyone requ- in there. Um, now it's a required field on the form and that's I made know. my life so much easier. Well, so that's that's probably like the second <laughs> and the third year was like a combination of that then, right? Of of um mostly yeah. me <laughs> like going, Oh, this amazing person, add them down. Um yeah. and then people nominating themselves began to creep in and then people being nominated. Yeah. And then really this year, I think when you and Shannon had that meeting for this year, I was moving house that week, mm-hmm. that day maybe even. And so I didn't have much to do with the finding people or mm. any of that. That was mostly you and Shannon for this year. It was kind of different, right? It was all nomination. It was pretty much all nomination. So thinking back, it's actually quite a fun reflection thinking back. So the first year was who do we know in our own networks? The second year was we became the conduit, but it started going beyond our networks. And then 2020 and now 2021 have been much more about just allowing everybody to submit um and and that's kind of made it different because it didn't go through us anymore so more and more names started popping up where i was like oh i've no idea who she is and and, you know this is interesting this is this sounds cool Mm -hmm. um yeah and i think that's another thing like we're very open to to connecting with speakers and contacting speakers and you know sort of um yeah, or I guess that's probably my side, my job, right? Because I'm I'm part of that. But it's like if if there's a speaker I've never heard of before, I'm always quite excited about it. Mm. And this year we had loads that I I didn't know before the the com the conference. So I feel like I genuinely just got to know all these amazing experts. And I think that's part of the joy, from like an organizer perspective of the growth of the event and mm-hmm. you know more people then wanting to speak and wanting to nominate people that they know you know it kind of expands so much further beyond what we could ever do on our own and who we could ever find on our own which i think is really great yeah it's definitely brought new organizing challenges because we i think we have to start earlier next year and so we're going to draw some conclusions and stuff but essentially because now what we're doing is we are contacting people and saying hey we run this conference you've probably never heard of us here's roughly what we're about and uh, somebody told us that they'd be interested in seeing you speak would you be interested and then there's another group of people who are self nominees who obviously know exactly what women language is about so they need to kind of you know receive a slightly different message and all that kind of stuff so it's actually mm-hmm. it's a little bit more wrangly a little bit more organizey um, I'm not sure how well I managed that at the start this year um, but that's part of the learning experience and on reflection as we're talking about it I'm realizing it's because of the way that we do it has changed so much mm-hmm. yeah well either way if you are listening just to just to say um, first of all, if you want to nominate yourself, you are absolutely welcome to do so. And um, if you want to nominate somebody else in particular, and I say this um, a lot, if there is, if you felt like in terms of our diversity, there was something that you want to see that you haven't seen yet, uh, it's probably not because we don't want to. It's just that maybe we didn't have the nomination there or anything like that. So please, please 
you know, find that representative or find someone who represents that lack for you and tell us about them. Because we, there's just three of us, we don't know everybody and we really rely on the community there. Absolutely. Now, the second part of that question was, do you help them find the topics or are they 100% free to choose whatever they want to talk about? We have the three kind of tracks, right? We have the, the dream teams and then generally like three broad topics. So this year it was remote education, reasons mm -hmm. to be cheerful and mm -hmm. language learning lab. Um, but That's they're it. so open. So what tends to happen, I think, Kirsten, and you'll know more on this, is people submit a rough idea and then mm -hmm. you can kind of see if that fits into what we had in mind with our three broad topics. Yeah, what happens is, I mean, Dream Teams is slightly different because it's not a topic in itself. No, yeah, sorry, I'm separate. And and this year we we came into Women in Language with the idea we want more Dream Teams because they're just it's so great to have two presenters at the same time. And we asked them, would you like us to match you up? But in practice, once we had all the speaker, um, like the intake form, it's called, once we had that list. We had people saying, yes, much is up, but because we don't know them, it was actually much harder than we thought. Um, and there was only one dream team that we actually matched up and they were amazing mm. um, and such a delight. And the other two kind of brought somebody with them. So if you want to present with someone, you will have the opportunity actually to, to do that in future because I think we'll keep that. But just to come back to what Lindsay was saying, uh, yes, we we provide maybe three or four broad topic areas. They're sort of our, like, imagine if you go to a conference and you can kind of follow this track. That was our idea with that. And then we asked the speakers, which of these tracks would you be comfortable presenting? You know, which of these tracks do you have something you want to say? And then we also say, do you have any ideas? Can you, you know, here, here's, here's a space. Please put, put your ideas in. And when are you free? And because I think it's an online conference in particular, it's not like we're all in New Orleans together for the weekend and we can just move a speaker an hour back and forth and we know they're still going to be there. Like speakers are moving this around their own lives. So it's very, very important, at least in my opinion, that we have a schedule that is the time is solid. And to me, that's even more like I stress about that way more than what people will talk about, because I, I have such trust that if they want to speak at a conference called Women in Language, they have something in them that is that they're passionate about that is to do with language. And so far, that hasn't failed me at all yet. So we do allow them to we do su support speakers as much as possible if they need a little bit of support. Um, For example, I had one this year who said, oh, I'm not sure, here are some ideas, but can you talk to me about it? Um, and I actually looked at her Instagram profile and I was like, it looks like you're passionate about this thing. How would you feel about talking about that? And they got so excited because they hadn't thought that that was adjacent enough, I guess. Yeah. But for me, it's always whatever you're most excited about, that's going to make a good presentation. Mm. Mm. Is that an answer to that question? I think so. Yeah. Mm. So, yes, we let them choose whatever, but if they can't come up with anything or they're feeling a bit nervous, then we are here to help, I guess is the answer to that. And the other question comes from, from Nettie, and this is such a good one, because I was like, I don't know the answer, really. Um, not, I don't know. Lindsay, <laughs> ask you. Yeah. As organizers with other jobs and family obligations, what drives you to hold the conference? Hmm. Which is a variant of, don't you have something better to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think 
Do you know what I come back to a lot for a lot of things in life that you find that you do and then feel like, oh man, why am I doing this? There's so many things I could be doing. Oh, <laughs> and that is okay. not that I feel that way about women in language, but you know what I mean? Like it's a lot of work, right? Is it is. When we were making language stories, we were in Guatemala when I interviewed, um, and I'm going to absolutely butcher his name and I apologize. Um, I think his name is Adam O'Brien. I know I've said it wrong and I'm really sorry, but he's a Scottish Gaelic consultant, is in our episode, our bonus episode um, about Dariada Gaelic, right? Oh, yes. Wonderful, wonderful human. We met him in Edinburgh, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I remember him. Um, And when we started the call for the interview, um, I was trying to explain like what language stories is, what it's all about and all of that. And I was like, you know, it's it's just for this and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, it's just good. And I was like, oh my God, that's it. <laughs> that's exactly, he's like, we don't know why we do these things, but we do because it's just good. And I was like, you're spot on. That is exactly it. And <laughs> it's so wonderfully articulated why we do things like women in language, why I do stuff like language stories, because, mm. you know, things like that are just good Mm-hmm. yeah i feel like as a conference and maybe that that is starting to for me at least give me a sense of why do i think it works there is a sense of integrity and a value like system or a recognition of certain values that drove us to do this and i think that even before that that brought us together as organizers because we have a certain idea of how I guess being online being in business being entrepreneurial maybe how being a person in all of this kind of space can be done that we feel is 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 good um, and I think women in language falls so into that so like my women in language for me is almost like represents a lot of my values as a person yeah I think that's it so yeah, Lindsay is 100% right. It's good. It's a good thing to do. It is a ton of work. Um and we you know, we'll 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 do our best managing with that and we'll you know in the future maybe we'll find new ways of of operating and every year I think we improve. Every year we find new systems that make it all doable and stuff and kind of improve it. But ultimately it's it's a good thing to be putting out there. It makes you really really proud to have done it to be now one of the i'm just gonna say like one of the biggest language events Mm. not yeah yeah and and have been running and to actually start building up a little bit of a history and possibly a bit of a legacy that's really cool it's just good it's just good (laughs) netty thank you so much for this question i love this question all right well Another thing that is just good then, and that you might be doing because of that, or maybe I've been wondering why you're doing that, bridging, bridging, is your degree, Lindsay. You mm. went back into academia. And actually, can I just say, while we were, while running Women in Language, Lindsay was also doing some kind of essay for this degree that she's doing part-time in addition to running her own business. Yeah, literally. Why? What? Why? <laughs> because... Because <laughs> it was due. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Well, no. So, yeah, like that particular question, right? So it's not due until the 31st of March, but my tutor likes to have it a bit before to mark it and allow time then for me to correct. And I was like, realistically, if women in language wasn't happening, Mm -hmm. then this weekend just gone would have been my weekend sat upstairs, not really moving much, finishing it off, getting it polished, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously couldn't do that. And then Thursday morning, the morning of Women in Language, I want to say, I get an email from my tutor, maybe Wednesday. I get an email from my tutor that I pick up that says, uh, hi, I was just wondering if I could have the uh, essay by the end of the week. I'm like, you could be kidding me. <laughs> There's literally no way that that is going to happen. Um, I didn't go into, in my reply, like, well, actually, no, because I'm hosting a four-day online event. It's called Women in Language. It's pretty amazing. You should check it out. I didn't do that. Um, but I did say... It's a sales either, opportunity missed. I did say I can send you what I have by the end of the week, or I can send you something much more polished, maybe by the end of next week, possibly, maybe. We agreed on Tuesday. So I've been... <laughs> which, which, as we're recording, is tomorrow. So I've been kind of picking up bits here and there in between women in language this weekend but yeah so tell me a little bit about this degree that you are doing um it is a part-time distance learning ma in applied linguistics and it's at the university of birmingham that's right yes Mm -hmm. okay so what's first of all what's the degree like what is applied linguistics all about um, so applied linguistics is essentially like linguistics is how language works, right? And the applied bit is basically like how that stuff then applies to the real world. So really a lot of it is almost like how we learn languages. That's like, that's what I'm kind of focusing my brain on so like everything that mm-hmm. i'm learning and then interpreting that through very much a how do you learn languages lens you know what i mean mm-hmm. what sort of modules are you taking first module was discourse analysis mm-hmm. <sighs> that's my sigh for that second <laughs> has, it's not fun no i mean it's very much like here's this thing that this one guy made a few decades ago and this is the way right mm. it's a bit stuffy i have a lot of gripes you could say with academia in general um mm. i don't know if that will come up in other questions but so i won't go deep into it but yeah so first one was discourse analysis this one is sociolinguistics which is much more interesting stuff um oh yeah you that's know, my jam. like language and dialect and gender and stuff like that. And that's really interesting. Next one, I think, is Lexus. So that's like words and vocab and all of that. And then the next three, you get to pick um, from various topics. So I haven't quite decided exactly which ones I'm going to do. I think one of them is like language and new media. These are the ones mm-hmm. that have come into mind that I've thought of that have kind of stuck out. Um, second language acquisition. 
Oh, lovely. Um, and then the, then the third one, I think those two, I, I'm quite like, yes, for me. And then there's a third one. There's loads of options, but I'm not 100% yet on which one. And then after that, so you've got the six modules. And then after that, you have a dissertation at the end that's like, I want to say six months, as opposed mm-hmm. to four months for each module. Ah, yes, because you are doing a, a part-time degree. Yes, yeah. So for, for our um, non-British listeners, for, for reference, the master's in the British system, when you're doing it full-time, it's a full, it's pretty much a 12-month year. So I did my master's in uh, 2005, six, but it, it hasn't really changed since then. So you would start normally in September and then you're kind of done and you're graduating the December after, but you've done all your work and, you know, everything all the admin bits are done by September, October kind of time. Whereas the way Lindsay is doing it, it's stretched out over two years. Yeah, two and a half years, including the dissertation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, between your bachelor's and your master's, there's um, a good, what, five, six years at least. Yeah, and, uh, five yeah. years, yeah. And in that time, you've obviously built an entire teaching business and you've started this conference called Women in Language. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wondered what called you back into academia? Okay, I'll go back backwards on this question. Mm-hmm. So when I was at the age where you pick where you, where, whether or not, well, it was, actually, that's a lie. It wasn't whether or not, it was where where I went to sixth form, where you go to university. There was no whether or not really about it. Um, I was like, well, hang on a minute. So you're telling me that I go to this place with no guarantee of a good job or quote unquote better life or quote unquote more money or any of that stuff. And I'm expected to put myself in debt for essentially the rest of my life with none of that guaranteed that's just a thing that we're all going to do we're all happy with that really okay are you sure that was weird to me right and i just and then so then i went to costa rica and i and i had I had it deferred i had a place deferred mm-hmm. and when i came back i was like well i want to do more of that i want to go more places like because <laughs> if if I just go to some random UK city for like three, four years and then like then try and go places, I'm not going to have any money. I'm going to be literally in debt then. What? Mm-hmm. What is the point? That I could not get my head around that. It didn't make sense. And so I've always had an issue with like academia in general for, for that reason. I know this isn't going to be the same in every country. Um, but that's weird. And no one was questioning that that was weird at the time. This was before Nick Clegg. So before, to, yeah, sorry, do you want to explain? Before tuition you... fees uh, tripled in the UK. Yes. And, and but, we're all blaming Nick Clegg. No, for no, it. no, 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 no. I don't mean that. I mean, this was before Nick Clegg was up for election. So before Nick Clegg was up saying, I want to scrap tuition fees. Yeah, yeah. Right? So tuition fees were less than they are now, but. This was before there was a voice vocally saying, we can not have these, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so yeah, so I decided not to go. And then I knew though that I still wanted to learn languages. Like I'd only done Spanish at this point for like four years. And I knew that there was, I could keep learning that. And 
I didn't know what I wanted to do with it, but I knew I wanted to keep learning languages. So I was looking around for other ways and stuff. I found Open University. So Open University is distance learning part-time. So in terms of academia, that's all I've ever known. I've never been like on a campus in lectures, in seminars, any of that stuff, right? Never done that. So when I finished, and I loved Open University. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. And as I finished, um, I'd already, <laughs> I, I'd already start. I started the degree in 2009, finished in 2015, started Lindida's Languages 2012. So halfway through, I started my business. By the end, I was already like online, and it had gone in this completely mm. different, unexpected direction, and it was amazing. Oh, and we have archive episodes where where you're still studying. I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we do. We do. Yeah, and so. I remember like finishing and people saying like, wow, so what are you going to do? I was like, well, just going to carry on. <laughs> like <laughs> it's essentially a piece of paper. Like I know that sounds very reductive, but mm -hmm. like no one is ever going to ask, well, what specific grade did you get in that one essay, that one module? No one's ever going to ask that. It's a mm. piece of paper that says you did a thing, right? And yes, you've accumulated knowledge for yourself. And yes, you have this sense of achievement. But in terms of all of the things that you're promised at the very beginning of you're going to have a good job and more money and blah, blah, blah. Like all of that is reliant on the piece of paper and someone in a job interview seeing that piece of paper and saying tick, right? So can you tell lots of feelings about all of this stuff? Mm -hmm. You know what? I, what's striking? I never really clocked is you also went to university like a year after the financial crisis. Yeah, which um, yeah. I think really colors that even more to go because that's where you know all of my friends before that things felt really certain. Like right. when, when I graduated, is where it was before, and it was like okay, walking into a job now. Like all of my friends, if if they were at university because they would have gone a year before, mm -hmm. they were then at university when the financial crash happened, came out like a year later. Yeah, and like, nothing. And there's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I feel quite lucky in that sense that I recognized how I perceived that before I had begun that path. Mm -hmm. Some you know? quality questioning happening there, yeah. Mm. Mm. Now, now I have to ask, bearing in mind that essentially you you kind of already had established your life, you didn't need a degree certificate to do that. So you you really had the the confidence in yourself and the um, the situation built that like you established so much that essentially your degree was that's nice, but that's also kind of pointless. Yeah. yeah. Then. Then why go back? Uh huh. Yeah. So <laughs> when we were, so, okay. So when I finished, um, also around that time, the Open University, they didn't have um, a master's in applied linguistics. They had a module, I think, in applied linguistics as part of like a teaching master's or as part of a English master's or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do like, with language? Yeah. It was just like a module. Um, I don't think I really knew what it was anyway then, but they had just opened up a master's in translation. 
And I remember um, talking to Tita. You've met Tita, right, Kirsten? Tita? Yes, briefly, yeah. yeah. Um, who worked at the Open University at the time and um, in the language department. And um, and she was telling me about this master's. And I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. I was like, well, it's, it would be cool, like, to keep learning. Like, I enjoyed learning with the Open University. I enjoyed that method of distance learning part-time. It just being part of something you do and not something that is all you do that defines you. Mm. And like, so I thought about that and I was like, well, I don't really want to be a translator. So there's no point. But then it had opened this possibility to me that actually now I have piece of paper number one, piece of paper number two is something you are allowed to do essentially, right? Because you obviously can't do a master's without an undergrad degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we were filming language stories, I remember, I think it was when we were in Vietnam. So we'd finished season one, we were doing season two. And essentially what I realized we were doing was like some sort of form of linguistic research, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, like <laughs> in field a, research. In a, yeah, like in a very sort of modern format, like YouTube podcast. And I was like, this is fun. I enjoy this like how can I and and like through like successful self-study and now like through language life a lot of what I teach in terms of like the how to learn language stuff there's a lot of that based in you know I'm not just gonna make a course and be like oh yeah I tried this thing you could try Mm -hmm. it it works it's how I learn language like I'm gonna go deeper for you than that I'm gonna give you something much more robust and better quite frankly um and so a lot of that work had been grounded in reading up on research and and finding out what other people were saying and had been saying for years and then had been saying more recently about all of this stuff about how to learn language and stuff Mm, i agree Um, i research a lot as well yeah yeah and and so i figured well i'm already doing this work i'm Mm. already like building this knowledge, I may as well get another piece of paper that says I know this stuff. Mm. So I found the actual program that I'm on now when we were in Vietnam, like, and I was kind of Googling, like, distance learning, master's applied linguistics. (laughs) You know, like, is this a thing (laughs) that exists? And I knew I wanted to be distance learning. And then even when it would have been pre-pandemic so november 2019 yeah it was yeah um so just a year or so after we got back i remember we went to birmingham there was an open day because i'd been thinking about it for a long time right i didn't want to just come back home which would have been july 2018 and just start right away because i wanted to know like well why am i doing this like you say well why do it i I needed to answer that question for myself like i wasn't Mm -hmm. just gonna do it because it felt like I had to because I'd done a BA or because I like what do you do next kind of thing you know yeah um I needed to know that I was doing it for me not for any other expectation of anyone else not for any um just like this is what you do now like yeah it needed to be for me and so it took me I would say like then two and a half years but probably actually what's that going to be like a year plus to get to November 2019 
when I went to the open day. And then even at the open day, there was the booth. There was the little, you know, <laughs> like you say, like English language and linguistics booth. Um, and I went up and I was like, hey, just wanted to check, you know, ask about the distance learning options. Oh, oh, we don't get many people ask about that at the open day. Yeah, you do now. I was like, ah, oh, I know, right? Uh, and they, like, the guy was very friendly, but knew nothing, could give me no information as to, like, how similar or how different the distance learning program was. And it was really, and then saying things like, can't just come here and do it for a year. Like, and I was like, well, no, I have a job, you know, I live somewhere. No. And, and like the, all of the frustration that I had felt previously when trying to find alternatives for an initial like bachelor's undergrad degree had just returned and all of that feeling of well oh my god the guy said if like why can't I just come here this means that if I don't do it here it's just valued so much less and it makes it feel like they live in their own world and then you wonder well you know, if I live in the non-campus world, then, then what is the why, point? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I was, so I'd, I'd convinced myself by that point that actually, yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to do it. Went to the open day, left destroyed. Like, okay, so if I'm not going to go, then they think, you know, they they didn't know anything. Like, it was almost like it didn't exist, this mm-hmm. option. So I was frustrated. Um and then I, I think I applied in April. So in the pandemic, in lockdown. Um, and I'd been thinking it over and over those, those past kind of six months again, like, well, am I still doing this? Is this something that I want? And I did want, because I kept coming back to it, right? So I was like, screw it, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And because the other thing was, I didn't have a student loan for my undergraduate degree, something I was very proud of, because... I hadn't finished that and then been in loads of debt for the rest of my life, right? And there's a big difference between being 21 and starting a master's degree and essentially like adding more debt to that and being 31 where Mm -hmm. whenever I start to pay this off when I finished actually isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I think it, you, you know, we, you, you gain a lot of different perspectives and, you know, you had, you know, the, you know, in the meantime, you see people around you and you yourself kind of might make bigger purchases and get, you know, and kind of get a sense of, you know, like what, you know, like the the difference between consumer debt and, and that kind of debt, but that's a different kind of podcast that talks about that. And I think you get perspective. This is so fascinating to hear from you because, you know, I mean, I don't know to what extent, you know, but I spent about three years thinking, should I do a PhD in linguistics? And this has been like over the last five years, I spent three years out of them kind of going back and forth on myself. Mm. And I decided, no, um, doesn't mean I won't but it, I just I had to also make a decision at some point um, and it's hard it's hard when you're in that in-between space because you're looking for certainty and there's there is just isn't any yeah yeah so 
we, I, I mean, that's a, a, a long answer to, to why. It is. Uh, which is <laughs> no, no, which is good. We've just kind of run out of time to talk about actual detail. But okay, so then briefly, maybe um, allow me to kind of fast forward a little bit to, to where you're at now. But you mm. are halfway through your degree, roughly. Is that right? No, no, no. Um, I've More? just I'm finishing the second module now in terms of essay. So I'll be starting ah. the third, and then when I finish that third one, I'll be halfway through in July. Ah, so you go module by module by module. Mm-hmm. Halfway through, mm-hmm. and then I've obviously got a dissertation at the end. How are you feeling about it all now? Good. I feel like I've made the right decision, but that mm-hmm. hasn't been the case all the way through since starting like you kind of like I know the game of distance learning right I've been doing that for six years open university I know what I'm getting into and the open university know what they're doing Mm. because they've been playing that game too since since when they were sending out VHS tapes to people right And you had to stay up till 3am to watch the lectures on BBC Two. (laughs) Like other universities, I hope that from this past year that we've had as a globe, that I hope that other universities catch up to that level. Um, But so, so in terms of... I mean, in terms of content, initially I was like, oh, this is disappointing. Like there's not as much, but of course there's a big difference between that and so like a lot of it is they give you just like you know read this chapter (laughs) and you have to go and so like a lot of the content is like in other things in other books um and I finished the first um assignment and I thought I'd done a really good job and I was really proud and then they gave me the feedback and it was cruel like I felt kind of like they thought, oh my God, who is this fool? You know, mm. it's rude. Some like I'd go as far as to say some of the feedback is rude. Like the way it's I, I written, think, sarcastic. I think they think that's a good, I think they think that's a good, I don't know. Maybe it they, is. Maybe in may- the long run, like ask me in a year's time and, and maybe it's a good thing. I mean, I'm probably, you know, I don't want, someone to pussyfoot around and be like oh yeah good 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 job yeah yeah it's great right yeah but there's no nuance no no and that's hard because that's very different to my other like undergraduate BA mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's sort of also but I, f- I felt like I remember going into my going into my master's and just being I wasn't trained beforehand in academic writing at no. all. And no, there's been, yeah, like, I, and I remember. They expect you to just be there and you're like, yes. what? And, and so, so I wrote that first essay and then they came back with the feedback and it came back as like 45 and a 50 is a pass, right? 45. And I was like, what? Oh my God. Is that, that's, a, that's crazy. That's a joke. Like I had no benchmark. Mm. And with my undergraduate degree, it would be like constantly like, 80s 75 maybe like at the lowest right i did all right so this was like what the hell what's this yeah 
And then you read all that feedback when you've just seen that mark and you've just seen essentially that you've failed and it's like brutal. And 50 is a pass. 50, that's it. That seems really low. But then when you see how how harshly, I suppose, the grading is, it's like, okay, right. So 100 is like, French kiss. Oh, yeah. You know? In, in the UK, 100, like, if you do 70, that's a first, that's a distinction. Right. That's a, in, a, in a master's, right? So, like, between 60 and 70, that's a merit. Um, it's not like... Yeah, I think, and I think especially in academia and especially in the humanities, because everything is so debatable and no, 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 no. I have very rarely, like I used to work at a university and, and for years and years and years, and you don't see like 80 whatever in, in those fields, in our particular fields. Exactly. And no one had told me this. No mm. one had given me any guidance on that until after this happened. And mm -hmm. I went to um, like a, a, a session that had been organized online for writing academically um, for specifically for the distance learning part-time students, right? And, um, and that was really helpful because then I found out actually, you know, this, this uh, PhD student had had then said oh well actually I only know one person have one friend who ever got in the 80s and we were all like wow what that's insane and she's like 60 is good and I'm thinking oh yeah 60 is great I'm like well whoa okay so actually I didn't <laughs> do that badly you know no. and re in reality there's like one of the one of the feedback is like um you need to use a proper cover page and I'm like where the hell's the cover page and you go into the, the system and there's like this tiny link in and amongst this whole page of text, like download the cover sheet. You're like, oh, right. Wow. <laughs> well, there you go. Five marks yeah. have passed. I feel hopefully. like there's a, there's a lot of assumptions um, in universities when, when students come in about how you're going to, like how well you know to like play the game in a way. And yeah. I know my university, I was so I'm so grateful for it in hindsight we had a whole module about kind of like research how to write for research and stuff and a lot of a lot of attention is paid to referencing correctly mm. like to the, but sometimes to the detriment of something like you also need to put a cover page on you need to make it look like this like this <laughs> like this and I think maybe I benefited from the fact that when I did all my this I still have this is just so fun I still have a floppy disk with all of my assignments on and it oh, was wow. you put it you put it on a floppy disk because online submission wasn't a thing right in 2005 so I would print I would have to print it out you have to print it out like this sort of with you know this line spacing and your page has to look like this yeah. and then you have to physically walk to the office and then also submit a floppy disk with your thing on and that was different from my undergrad where the floppy disk wasn't even a thing and mm. I've still got all of those floppy disks. And I think and maybe I benefited from the fact that all of my things that told me what to do, they were also all printed out. Like it was all paper-based then. And mm. there wasn't anywhere online to look. And I think when you've got like a printed list, at least for me, it's easier not to overlook something. And you see what it looks like. Like, I don't know, you physically know a representation of what, it's, what, what it looks like. Right. I've had to print like maybe two or three times for the first essay just to kind of read it mm -hmm. uh, not in pixels you know so yeah i know where you're coming from 
Yeah. I had to like, I remember you had to walk into the secretary's office and there'd be queues outside on like submission day, you mm. know, because everybody was just like, everybody who was skating a bit close to the line, they're all st stood outside and like, oh, but I have to get in as well and I have to submit this. Wow. Yeah, yeah, there was a Dropbox, so you could just, like, drop it in the day before, but that was, no, it's really fun. <laughs> You've given me a fun nostalgia there. <laughs> uh, but certainly, I feel like as a as a student who comes into the postgrad world, uh, you don't really know what to expect. And I remember being very thrown by that. And one of the reasons I never did go back into academia is because academic writing never became accessible and enjoyable for me. I find it dry and and unrelate unrelatable and um sometimes deliberately so and I'm not a fan at all and I just for me it's always been there's such a gift that research gives to the world right mm. I mean, we're seeing it with COVID now but in in linguistics just as much and I so appreciate when that knowledge can then be shared with the mainstream. And when it's not just like, oh, we've done a headline in a press release that says, you know, that there's now going to be misinterpreted by not experts in the field. And I felt with the Fluent Show, I always felt a little bit like maybe I can I can be somewhere in between. Mm. You know, maybe I can be a brick in that bridge. Mm. Um, and I didn't want to move from that space. Um, that's why I didn't go back. Um, but I, And I feel like when when you're in that field... It's it's challenging. It's definitely challenging. So I'm just like ever so impressed. And yeah, do you know what you're going to do your dissertation about? The what? Sorry, dissertation. You, do you know? Yeah. Oh man, if I can find an excuse to go <laughs> to Paraguay. Oh yeah, that would be cool. Like the 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 second essay that I've done that the sociolinguistics main topic. Um, I've been able to write about. Paraguay and I've written about like um, Spanish and Guarani and Jopra and language and dialect and I, again I feel like I've, this is good work I think I've done something good here but equally I'm now feeling is this just going to come back again 45 you've got to do the whole thing do you know what I mean so I have no idea I have absolutely no idea yeah and encouragement matters mm. Because with, with such a piece of work that all your heart is in, it's not just to say, okay, well, this is 45, so just, you know, do try again. Yeah, like there's, there's good feedback. Like my tutor gives great feedback, first of all. And then the feedback, like I said, although it's scathing from the markers, like once you reread that with a fresh head, you know, you can be like, actually, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. That is a bit crap, that bit. <laughs> and then it's actionable. Yeah, yeah, mostly, I would say. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine. I can't, I mean, I'm on tenterhooks now about how it's going to go and absolutely rooting for you. And I don't think there is a world in which you haven't, you're not going to be on a trajectory that goes up and up and up with this. Oh, thank you. Oh, I mean, not just you're my friend, but like also, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, it's, it's about, it's learning experience. And it's, you know, you're, you're not like running away. You're like saying, okay, I'm just going to try again and I'm going to keep going, which stands for, I mean, the, you know, women in language, both women and language. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, like that's that's a, a wonderful example. So, mm. yay, applause. Shaking my hand, doing the, the applause jazz hands. <laughs> I, I would clap my hands, but it's not really, I'm wearing gloves, so it's not really working because it's cold in here. 
So, Lindsay, in a way, okay, so would you, would you like me to put a link to your MA program into the show notes if, in case people are interested and curious? Yeah, sure. Maybe Go you get some buddies. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to pop that in the show notes as well. Um, well, we're going to close, we're going to come to a close of our conversation for today. And uh, I hope that it, it really has been like Überraschungstüte of a podcast and I've had a really, really fun time having these conversations, reflecting on women in language and reflecting on academia and all these different worlds in which, you know, we, we exist. It's a, it's a fun, fun reflection. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for hanging out with me, for being part of the, the season. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and you're welcome. You're always, always welcome. And listeners, uh, just in case you, this is your first episode with Lindsay. Lindsay, tell people where to find you, what you're up to business-wise. Yeah, lindsaydoeslanguages.com. That's the best place. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find me at fluentlanguage.co.uk. And with all that being said, the show notes for this episode can be found at fluent.show on the internet, www.fluent.show slash 210. And that's it from me. It's goodbye, goodbye, and goodbye from Lindsay Williams. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show by leaving a review in your podcast app or even becoming a member of our Patreon community where our supporter perks include a secret feed full of added show notes and a VIP option where you can get priority answers to your listener questions on the podcast. Don't forget that you can send us your language questions and feedback to hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk or find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show or Instagram, hashtag The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you and read every message and review. See you next week.